that floods my soul. You are the source that makes me whole. There is no place I'd rather be than close to you. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate the Lord. Hallelujah. If you believe in the God that you serve, let's celebrate him. You just finished singing that you want to be close to him. You can't get any more close to God than in a place of worship. You can't get any closer to God than in a place of worship. I don't know, you said, you, you sung. I want to get close to God. If you really want to be close to God and you're not just singing words for the sake of singing words, then you would begin to worship God right now. You would fulfill the very thing that you are asking for, and that is to be close to God. You cannot get any closer to God than in worship. Matter of fact, the word tells us that everybody can praise God, but not everybody can worship God. Hallelujah. I feel a hallelujah in my spirit. Hallelujah. I feel a glory in my spirit. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. There was none before him, and there shall be none after him. He embodies all that we are. We are the expressed image of his glory. My soul cries hallelujah. My spirit cries hallelujah. My emotions cry hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Mm. I feel like the Spirit of God is moving in our midst. Hallelujah. I think we should hover here just for another moment. Just open our hearts and our minds, our spirits, our emotions, our very being to get in touch with him. Oh Lord, I want to be close to you. Closer than I've ever been before. Commune with me, Holy Ghost. My soul cries. 
my heart cries. I just want to be close. of my salvation. You are the joy that is set before me. You are the great I am, the bright and morning star. There's none like you, there's none like you, there's none like you. Oh, Holy One, please get close to me. Open up the fullness. Release the fullness. Pour your spirit. Hallelujah. serve truly a mighty God. You know he's mighty because I was in key. Hallelujah. 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 Have your way, Holy Ghost. Have your way in this place right now. Pour out your spirit upon this flesh. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. What's his name? Say his name. It is the name that is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every tongue shall confess that he is, he is, he is, he is, he is. He is. Every, every knee shall bow. Every knee and tongue in heaven. Every knee and tongue in the earth. And every knee and tongue under the earth. Every knee and tongue throughout all creation. They shall confess, shall confess, shall confess. He is Lord.
Hallelujah. 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 Truly, it is good to be in the land of the living. To be gathered together in the name of the Lord, standing before the people of God. I consider it an honor and a privilege to address you today with the word from our King. This is not the word of a man, but the word of God. Released that you might know who you are in him and who he is in you. Just before we move forward in the word, we want to bless the seed that has been sown, that it might meet the need of the house. We thank God for its provision. We ask spiritual increase, financial increase, that we might fulfill the very things for which God has commanded us to do, ministering to both the needs of the church and the community in which we have been planted. For his word says that we are Beulah, which means we are married to the land. We have been planted, sown that we might spring forth life, light, joy and peace, beauty to this dark and evil place. Father, now, according to your resource, minister to this place expand the seed bless the sower that more would come into their hands that as they realize the benefit and the blessing in giving the conduit of your release would enlarge in their place the flow would break the dam and so much would come through them that the overflow would not just meet a need, but it would overwhelm a need. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, we thank the Lord. For today, for those that are here in the house of God, it is good to see each of you here as we are learning to come back together. It's been several months that we have been physically isolated one from another because of the pandemic in the land. We've had to socially distance. We've had to separate ourselves and find new ways to fellowship. Thank God for the ingenuity that he's given to man that we might fellowship through technology, 
use the wisdom and the creative ability that's implanted in us to create such technologies that we might share his word in the land. But there's nothing like the physical coming together of the body. Sure, we are physically, our bodies, the church, and can worship God and praise God wherever it is that we are. But there is something unique and special about the corporate worship. There's something unique and special when people come together. Something becomes contagious. Something that might be working on someone gets eradicated because of the God that is working on someone else. I enjoy the coming together while we still have to follow with all the guidelines and rules and regulations that have been set forth to prevent the continued spread of this pandemic. We believe and trust God that as we do these things, God will keep us and cover us as we're walking both in wisdom and in faith. I thank the Lord for the coming back together of the body as we continue again to move forward. I look to see the church even more full, the people of God coming more together, enjoying the spirit of worship, being fed of the word of God, and leaving this place as God's emissaries in the land. We gather to learn so we can depart to serve. It's important that we understand, people of God, who it is that we are, which leads us to God's word. We are continuing the lesson from last week, who is man? I've given you some characteristics, and we had left off talking about uh, some characteristics that were related to the creation of man. We last talked about the love that God is, and how that unconditional love is not always shared amongst us who are, who are supposed to be the reflection of that. And as we begin to move forward in this series, I want to take a moment just to remind us of something that is scientifically proven. If you look throughout history, if you look throughout the story of humankind, you will find that when human beings come together and are united in any cause, they are difficult, if not impossible, to stop. Hence, the spirit of division comes to prevent the movement of unity. The spirit of division is not a new spirit. It is a spirit that has toiled with man since the beginning. But we have to understand that it is a spirit that is used of our enemies to prevent our movement 
because God's word teaches us that anything divided against itself cannot stand. In, in, in essence, what that means is, is that anything that is divided against itself cannot accomplish the things that it is attempting to accomplish. This works both spiritually and physically. It works both by the power of God and by the power of our enemy. What are you saying, Bishop? Well, if you look back through biblical history, you will find that there was a time when all men came together and gloried at themselves. And they decided that they were going to build a temple, a tower that would reach into the heavens, that they might exalt themselves above the stars of God. And the word tells us that man came together and they began to build. Now this is how powerful unity is. They not only began to build, but they devised mechanisms to allow them to continue to build higher and higher. And as the tower grew, it required more ingenuity. It required more creativity. And man, because they were united, overcame every obstacle as they marched on towards their expected end. The unity of man was so great and so powerful that God himself recognized, looked down upon man and said, this man is unified. And there is nothing that they cannot accomplish in their unity. So God releases the spirit of division. However, he did not divide man by races, by cultures, by ethnicities. He divided man by languages. For the division of God is never to destroy man. So he disrupted man's ability to communicate with each other. And because they could not communicate, they were unable to stand in unity. Uh, because they're speaking a different language. I can't understand now what it is that you are saying. I cannot fulfill my part of the plan because I don't understand the instructions. And the tower was never finished. Man separated. Languages kept us apart. And to this day, languages still separate man. I remember a movie with um, Clint Eastwood where he was flying an airplane and the airplane was designed to work without actually physically controlling it but just controlling it with your mind. But the onus was is that the plane would only understand a specific language. So you had to think in that language for the plane to do what you wanted it to do. Now most of the time when we learn different languages in ourselves, we have a base and foundational language upon which we have been developed. We 
for many of us here, our basic language is English. Some, for some of us, that is our only language. Some of us of a Spanish heritage might have a Spanish language in addition, or it may be our foundational language. And then some of us may have Spanglish, which is a combination of both English and Spanish. And when we get to big words, we go back into English, and little words, we speak in Spanish, and we put it all together. We've made our own language. But the idea of this plane was, and, and if you look at language, you'll find that most people that speak English, when they want to speak Spanish, they think first the English, then the translation of what it is they're trying to say, so that they can say what they want to say in Spanish. But they visualize the English first because the English is their foundational language, and then they try to transpose that into the Spanish that they have learned. But they're thinking is in English first. That is the way most introductory uh, uh, language classes will begin for you in your development and understanding. This is why those that learn Spanish uh, outside of it being their heritage language um, don't speak it necessarily as fast as those who grew up as it being their foundational. One of the things I remember my mother used to tell me sometimes as uh, she is Puerto Rican and uh, grew up speaking Spanish and English. And sometimes when we are in Spanish places, it takes her a minute to catch up because they're speaking so much faster because her mind has been conditioned to see English first. And she has to remind herself of her Spanish heritage and Spanish speaking. And then she can finally catch on and she gets with it after a little bit. But in this airplane that Clint Eastwood was flying, you could not think in English and transpose to, in this case, was Russian, the Russian language. You had to think in Russian because as the movie went on, he would think in English and try to make the plane do things and it would not respond because he was not in unity with the design of the plan for the plane to operate. And then there came a climatic moment when he had to fire missiles to fulfill his mission, and he finally got it and thought in the language or in alignment with what it was the plane was designed to function and was able to complete the mission. Beautiful movie. Loved the movie. It was a great movie. But the spirit of division keeps us from being aligned in unity. And even if God knows and understands the strength of unity within the body of man, so does our enemy. Now I'm going to tell you something that some of you may not be aware of and some of you may. Those of you that are not aware of this already, I want you to research it. I want you to the Bible says, try the spirits. Know that they are speaking the truth. I am no different. You need to hear what I say and then test what I say according to the word of God, according to the things that have been released for our education and understanding. So I challenge you 
to prove what I'm saying is true. But when you look at the creation of man, we understand as the children of God, we did not form from an amoeba by chance, but we were formed in the mind of God first, and then we were made manifest as God formed man from the earth. And then out of man, he took woman, and he made woman. And I said last week that we're going to get into the difference there, and we will, because I want you to fully understand the creation that we are. But before we continue talking about who we are, it's important to understand the power of who we are. And why the enemy comes against us so much. But you have to understand first the plan of the enemy to prevent you from enjoying the power and the authority that God has placed in you. When you look at man in the genetic sense, and when I say man, I'm talking about male and female, man not being gender, but man referencing the entire human creation. When you look at the creation of mankind, you will find that in the genetic sense, there is less than 0.1% difference in the genetic coding of every human being. We are less than 0.1% different than each other. So in genetic language or genetically, and we know that genetics determines the foundation of who we are, okay? We all have a genetic code, the DNA that makes up who we're going to be, what we're going to look like, so on and so forth. But that code, that genetic code between Brent and myself, there's only a 0.1% difference. In other words, Brent and I are essentially the same. Because there is unity in the creation of man. Anything divided against itself cannot stand. The enemy uses the power and spirit of division to get us to believe something that is not true about us because we lack understanding of our origin. Because we believe that we were happenstance of the coming together of molecules by chance in some primordial ooze and not that we were created by design, it becomes easier than to believe that there is a great difference between us. But the educated, the scientific mind understands that not only is there a very slim genetic difference between us, but when it comes to our race, 
man has been taught to believe a lie. Because there are not many races on the face of the earth. There are not four, five, six races on the place on the planet earth. There are, there is rather one race and that is the human race. And the human race is 0.1% genetically different. Now understand this. Let me, let me break this down a little bit further for you. Not only is there such a very minute genetic difference between all of us, but we are all the same color. There is only one color in the genetic code for humanity. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, some of us look darker. Some of us look lighter than uh, others. Well, you have to understand that even though we are of one color, we are just represented in different shades of that one color. And the shade of the same color is determined by the amount of melanoma in your genetic code. Now, I want you to understand this. I don't want my darker brothers and sisters to think that God loves them more because he gave them more melanoma than he gave me. You, 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 you got a little bit more color than I did. Uh, but you got to understand that we are all of the same color. Because in the genetic code, there is only one color manifested by the amount of melanoma in your code, which determines your skin, not color, but tone. You have to understand the spirit of division. You see, the spirit of division would have you to believe that your color indicates a race, which it does, but because of the lie that has been told, it indicates that we are of the same race because we're all the same color. Why? Because everything that God does, he does in unity. Why? Because there is power in unity. Before the creation of man, God held a council with himself. Why? That there might be unity within himself so that when he created mankind, there would be the representation of unity, which is why the spirit of division works so hard. Because anything divided against itself cannot stand. You've got to understand what's going on. We're looking at all the chaos in the land. And you'll understand that the chaos in the land is a representation of the division that exists between the oneness that is mankind. This is the power that the enemy has been using to keep us from being successful in anything that we set our hearts and minds to do. But when you look at the current protests, it doesn't matter whether you agree with them or not. If you look 
at the protests that are going on currently, you will see now a stark difference that uh, manifested uh, in the 60s has become more prevalent now that there is a level of unity or connection or a oneness in thought, a oneness in ideology, a oneness in a movement that is seeking justice. And because they are one, you see uh, many different shades in the crowd. You see many different languages in the crowd. You see many different people in the crowd as they are marching and professing, seeking justice. Now, man would have you to believe culture equals race, and that's just a fallacy. There are many different ways to live, uh, but there's only one life. We have to understand because if we don't understand who we are and how God created us, it becomes impossible for us to connect with one another because we begin to think that there is so much difference between us. And the enemy wants, to, wants you to think that you're different. He wants us to think that we're so different that man would even institute a uh, document that would say that black men are less than white men. When a white man and a black man are just that, men, the same, they have the same parts, they function in the same manner, they do exactly the same thing in their body. When I eat food, it goes into my stomach. When a white man eats food, it goes into his stomach. When a Spanish man eats food, it goes into his stomach after it's been worked on in your intestines so that it can pull out of the food the nutrients that are necessary for the sustaining of the physical body and then releases into the uh, liver and kidney the things that need to be wasted away. There's no difference in how it works between any tone of the oneness of the genetic creation that is man. We process thought the same way. We process food the same way. We process drink the same way. There is no physical difference between us. I don't go to the bathroom different than anybody else. Now, I may be able to, in some cases, slide my jeans on where somebody else may have to jump in their jeans because they chose to wear skinny jeans, and skinny jeans don't slide on too well. We may not get into our clothes the same way, but we still have two legs with two feet with ten toes. That's five toes on each foot. And if you got an extra toe, there was something going on in your genetic code that gave you an extra toe. We have to understand, though, the spirit of division wants us to see ourselves as different. Because if we see ourselves as different initially, if difference then becomes the focus, it becomes difficult to stand united because we can't see past our differences. How can I stand with that which is not like me? When you begin to understand that everyone is like you, 
it becomes easier to stand with somebody else. So the enemy does the best that he can to introduce theologies and principles and ideologies into the mind of man, which is the war place of the spirit, to get man to begin to believe things about himself that are simply not true. This is not new. This is what the enemy has been doing since the garden, since the days of the creation of mankind. This is what the enemy does. The enemy is mad because he is not like God. Uh, but all of creation was made to be like God. The enemy was exalted, uh, but he lost his exaltation because he wanted to be what he could never be. And then he saw mankind, and when he saw man, he realized that man is the fulfillment of everything he desired. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. So every time the devil looks at you, he sees what he can never be. And he understands that if you ever begin to understand who you are in your creation, there is absolutely nothing that he'll be able to do to prevent you from accomplishing anything you set your heart and mind to do. Because we are the expressed image, the expressed image, the expressed image of God. The expressed image, expressed means something that is put forth. So we are God put forth in creation. You have to understand who you are. When you understand who you are, you'll begin to understand what you can accomplish. When you understand what you can accomplish, you'll stop thinking about what you cannot do, and you'll begin to understand the word that says, I can do all things through Christ or through the expressed image of who I am. Who are we? We are the expressed image of God. What does the Bible say? We are seated in Christ. Uh, then because I am in Christ, then there is absolutely nothing that I cannot accomplish in his name. Because I understand who it is I am. And then when I align myself with like-minded people and stand in a place of unity, we corporately cannot fail. But you ever notice that when you stand in a group of people, there's always the ones that are the naysayers. Even Jesus had a naysayer in his group. But you look, there's always a naysayer in the group, someone who wants to point out the difficulties or wants to point out what we supposedly cannot accomplish because they are driven by a sense of disunity in the body. Now, I'm not talking about uh, styles. I'm talking about an ideology that says we cannot accomplish anything because we're simply not on the same page.
and then it becomes difficult, and at the end, the enemy wins because then we do not do what God has commanded us to do. We are then not the reflection of God. If we are the expressed image of God, then we are everything that God is in the earth. If we are everything that God is in the earth and God can do all things, then we can do all things if we stand in unity, not just with each other, but with what God's word declares because it ceases to be me that's doing something and it becomes God performing his work in me. You see, we get, we get things twisted because we have a me mentality, so we begin to think about things in the sense of what I want rather than in the sense of what God desires, the sense of fulfilling my will versus fulfilling the will of God. When you walk with the purpose to fulfill the will of God, everything you set your hand to do will prosper. Every word that you speak will prosper. It shall not return to you void. The problem comes is when we usurp the will of God for our will, and then we try to apply godly principles upon our will. The Bible declares if you ask anything in my name, you have to understand the thinking. If you ask anything in my name, it's for the purpose of fulfilling God's will, not your will. It may not be the will of God that you have some of the things you're asking for. But if you learn to stand in unity with the Spirit uh, based upon who you are in Christ, you'll begin to speak in alignment uh, with the very will of God. So when you declare a thing, that's when a thing happens. That's when you can speak it and see it because you are standing in faith upon the authority that God has given you to carry out his will and God will never send you where he has not equipped you to go. He will not send you where he has not given provision for you to accomplish the very thing he has sent you to accomplish. As a matter of fact, because God is already at the end of your journey, he's already accomplished what he has commanded you to walk in. Trying to get you to understand something. About who you are and the power of who you are that exists. This is why everyone uses division. The enemy uses division. Mankind uses division against itself, which is why man never seemingly can stand. Why will this nation fall? Because this nation is divided. We may be the wealthiest nation in the world. We may be arguably the most powerful nation in this world. But if we do not learn to stand in unity, all of our power, all of our wealth will mean absolutely nothing. The only thing that can destroy hate is love. And the only thing that can destroy division is unity. You have to understand this. I don't care what plan, what reform you put in place. 
If we are not all in unity, then we are divided. And if we are divided, we are destined to fail. This church can only be as successful as we are unified to be. We don't have to always understand. We don't have to always agree to stand in unity. You don't have to understand my pain, and I don't have to understand your pain to agree that we each have pain. I, don't, I may not know your story. I may not have ever walked in your shoes. I may not have endured what you have endured, but that does not mean to stand in unity with you over your suffering that I need to suffer as you do. I should be able to stand with you regardless of my experience because unity does not require equal experience. We have to understand who we are and what God is trying to do. I know this isn't a preachy type of sermon, but I'm trying to get you to understand something about who you are because we've been preaching for hundreds of years and it seems like humanity still doesn't get it. Trying to teach you something. We left off talking about God being love. Fifth characteristic is God is a spirit. He is an eternal spirit. It's important that we understand something very unique about God. Because God is an eternal spirit, that means that God has always been and shall always be. Now, we have a created origin. We have a beginning. For God, there is no beginning. In God, he's always been, he shall always be. And because God sits outside of time, then everything in God is always right now. Our past, our present, and our future are always right now in God. God sees where we've been. He sees where we're at. He sees where we're going all at the same time, which is why God never figures something out. God has figured something out. As a matter of fact, in the mind of God, before the formation of man, he already had the plan of redemption because he saw the fall of man before man was even created. He saw what was going to happen before he even created what he created. Because that is God. So God is eternal, has always been. Man is made in the image of God. If God is an eternal spirit, then man has to express in some manner the eternality of God's spiritual presence. So then when God makes man in his image, God makes man eternal. Though we have a beginning, you have no end. No spiritual end. In other words, you will exist spiritually forever. God is an eternal spirit. God is life eternal. God is the only person who has lived forever. Who never had a beginning and shall never have an end. Therefore, God created man and gave 
man a spirit, which actually translates into giving man an immortal breath. Now, you might be mad at me or not, but there is a certain uh, television or movie series that I like. Um, can't think of the name of it uh, with the werewolf and the, and the Dracula. What is it? Twilight. Thank you. Twilight. I like Twilight. Don't ask me why. I just do. And in Twilight, you'll come to understand, which always used to make me laugh when I used to think about this, because I'm one of those people that thinks about weird stuff, stuff like why there isn't any B batteries. There's an A battery. As a matter of fact, A got several. They got A, double A, triple A. Then they go right to C. Like, what happened to B? Why isn't there any B batteries? I think about stuff like this. I, I don't know why. I just... My mind thinks about that. Like, why, why is there no B batteries? But when you look at the creation of God, God created man uh, uh, with an immortal breath. It, it used to make me laugh when I would watch Twilight because uh, the vampires are considered immortal beings. In other words, they can uh, live. Now, if you look at the translation in the movies, you'll find that they can still die. If you can die, you're not immortal. Used to trip trip me up in my, in my mind. They would call the Greek gods immortal gods, yet they could kill each other. I, I don't. Know, maybe I'm confused, but I thought immortal meant everlasting, means you could not die. But somehow, it's a little different. That's just the way, way my mind works. Excuse me. Let me get back to the text. We understand that God is immortal, so God gave a man a spirit, and that spirit had to reflect the image of God. In essence, that spirit then could have no end because God has no end. And I cannot reflect God if, after I am created, I do not represent who he is. So since there is no end in God, I cannot reflect God if there is an end in me. Now, the enemy would have you to believe that your physical life is your life. And because there is an end to your physical life, that somehow you no longer have the ability to truly represent God, which is a lie because the physical body will die. Now watch this. In the creation, you have to understand this. So when God created man, he created man of the, the dust of the earth. You know, that's why if you look under your skin... Under a microscope, you'll see it moving. That means that you have worms all over you. You are covered in maggots. I tell you, challenge me. Go, go look it up. Go get you a microscope and look under your skin, and you'll see your skin is moving. As a matter of fact, if you look under your eyelashes, you'll see that there is what appears to be a very long worm that connects your eyelashes to your eyelid. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to teach you something. Man was created. That's why when you, what do you, where do you think the maggots come from when you die? When you physically, your body physically dies, where do you think all them bugs come from? You think they just jump into the casket? No, your body begins to revert back to what it was created from. 
I know this is like, yeah, that's nasty. I know, I know, I know. But it's the truth. This is what you created from. You're just one big worm. You're a mothra. But man is created from the dust of the earth. What, what, what happens after the, when you look at all of the, uh, 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 of the uh, creation in the world, and you look at everything else that's created in the world, you'll find that everything else that was created, uh, all the animals and all that kind of stuff, it was immediately alive when it was created. The only thing that God breathed life into was man. Why? Because when the Bible declares when man was created from the dust of the earth, man was lifeless. <laughs> man was lifeless. So the, the physical body has no life without the presence of the immortal breath or the spirit that God has placed within the body. The physical body was always destined to fail. Why do you know that, Bishop? Well, because if the physical body was not de destined to fail, there would have been no necessity for the creation of the tree of life in the garden. What does the Bible say? God, when Adam fell, God charged the angel to go guard the tree of life. Why? Because if man ate from the tree, what does the Bible say? Man, in his current state, the physical part of man would have lived Forever, and then we would have lived in condemnation then forever because the judgment of God was against the flesh of man. The flesh is enmity against God. It's not the spirit that's enmity against God. It is the flesh that is enmity against God. So if God had created the tree of life and man had ate from the tree of life, man would have been condemned eternally. So God, because God loves man so much, he prevented man from connecting himself eternally to damnation because death was in the flesh. It was dead when it was created until God breathed the breath of life or the immortal breath into it. So in the pre-fallen state of man, man was an eternal existence. And many times I've answered this question asked of me, if man was created to be eternal, then why was there the need for the tree of life? This is where many confuse the levels of our very existence. You see, you have to understand, people of God, that we both exist physically and spiritually. There is a physical presence of the physical, natural body made of the elements of the earth. Then there is the spiritual presence, which are made up not of physical, temporal things, but of eternal things made after God. The physical was created from the earth, while the spiritual is created of the elements of God. So that which is life, breathe life into a lifeless physical existence so that we might live life eternally. Now, God went beyond what he had made when he created the animals as living souls and gave them an earthly life, which is a temporal 
breath, in the creation of the animal kingdom, God gave the animals a temporal life. But God made man a spirit just like himself, just like his very own life. No animal is a spirit. Animals are only souls. As living souls, they are enabled by varying degrees to breathe, to reason, and to relate. But none of them have the inherent power to breathe eternally, nor the drive and ability to reason after God, nor even to relate to God. But in the course of creation, God made man to have that power, that drive, and that ability. Man is a spirit. Even as God is a spirit. Man is not just body and soul as animals are body and soul. Man is not only a breathing thing. Man is a spirit and a mortal being. You are immortal. Which is why it matters what you do in this physical existence. If you were not immortal, it would not matter what you do now. It would not matter what you believe now. Watch this. If my faith causes me believing in God to live with God eternally, if I am not already made immortal, I cannot live eternally with God after my physical death. Because then my life ceases to be if this is all that I am. The enemy would have you to believe there's no hell. Matter of fact, there are people running around trying to tell you that there's no hell. And if I am not immortal in my creation, it doesn't matter if I believe God or don't believe God. Because when this physical life is over, then I'm done. I don't go anywhere. I just cease to be. There's no eternal suffering because there is no immor immortality. You've got to understand this is a trick of the enemy. It matters what you do, what you believe in this life because you are immortal. You're not immortal by faith. You're immortal by creation. Sometimes we get this a little mixed up as if our immortality only comes into place when we believe in God. We, we mix up and misunderstand the text that says my mortal puts on immortality, my corruptible puts on incorruption, as if that only occurs if I'm a believer. The problem is, is my immortality is part of my makeup. So part of me dies, the physical makeup, but the spiritual makeup lives forever 
And in light of this, there are at least two distinguishing marks of God's image within man. Two distinguishing marks of man as a spirit. Now, I'll give these to you and I'll, I'll stop for today. I think I'm at about seven minutes. First, God's image within man is the power of immortality, which means that man lives beyond this earth. Man lives forever, just like God lives forever. And according to the word of God, no animal is a spirit. Animals are just living souls. And as souls, they are enabled to breathe and live, but none of them have the inherent power to breathe, breathe or live eternally. But man has that power. Man is a spirit, even as God is a spirit. Man is not only a living and breathing soul like the animals, which we are made from uh, the earth just like. Man is a spirit, an immortal being, both made for this physical life, for this physical place, but also made for eternity. The Bible says in John 17 and 3, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Secondly, God's image within man is both the drive and the ability of choice to worship. Man not only has the soulish ability to reason and to relate, but he has an unquenchable spiritual drive and ability to reason after God. An unquenchable drive and ability to relate to God. Man is so different from all other creation and thus also different in purpose as related to the desire of God to relate with man and his desire for man to relate with him. God has an, a desire not for a one-way relationship, but for a two-way relationship. How we relate to him and how he relates to us. We have for so long looked at only one aspect of our standing with God, so we relate to God as if this is a one-way thing. But there's no unity in a one-way relationship. Unity is only manifested in a two-way connection. You see, worship is a spiritual drive and it is a spiritual ability. An ability of spirit only. An ability of man only. Just like animals, man knows and understands the things of this earth. But man is to know and to believe and to understand God first and foremost. Well, why do you say that? Well, I'm glad you asked because the word says in Isaiah 43 and 10, ye are my witnesses. I cannot uh, proclaim something for which I have not witnessed. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, watch this, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Man becomes the witness of the eternality of God. 
Man is to worship God. God then is a spirit, and uh, uh, man is a spirit or, or a being who has been created as a spirit. And so to worship God, man must worship God in spirit. In other words, in a form of his creation and in truth. John 4 and 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. These are two very significant facts about the image of God within man, about uh, man as a spiritual being that I really need to express to you. Let me just, let me just give you this. You see, the, the rebellion of man against God, which we refer to as the Adamic age or the fall of mankind, Adam's fall, man's fall, it did something to our created state of being. It affected God's image within the creation man. You see, God had created man as an immortal being. And as an immortal being upon the earth, man had two rights. He had the right to live on this earth, and he had the right to live with God forever. Man had the right to live on this earth, because the physical makeup of man was corruptible because of the uh, introduction of corruption into the elements that made man because of the fall or the kicking out of heaven of Lucifer who came down to the earth, corrupted the earth, and it's from the corrupted earth that man was made, which is why God created the tree of life so that man in his physical sense could eat of the tree of life and then physically live forever or physically exercise the right to live forever in the earth. This was the uh, original state of God's intended creation for man to uh, live in the earth forever, to have dominion in the earth, and to walk with God in the earth forever. Man was, uh, w w when man, uh, you know, exercised his ability and choice to turn against God, you see, God gave man the right to choose not to fulfill who he was in him, Man then lost both of these rights. He lost the right to live with God forever, and he lost the right to live on this earth. At the fall of man, we lost the right. You've got to understand, the right to live on this earth forever is connected to our original state of being in our original state of creation, which was the reflection of God's immortality. So as we are walking in alignment or in unity with God, we have the right to live eternally because that is what God is, an eternal being. But when we rejected or rebelled against God, we lost the right, which then introduces death, which the Bible declares is our final enemy. So when death then is introduced into the creation scheme, man demonstrates his ability to no longer function as he was created. So death comes, and then because we have lost the right to live here forever, death becomes our portion. What is death? Death is simple separation from God. We lost those rights. Man could no longer live on the earth forever, nor could man live with God forever. In the rebellion of man against God, man was saying that man preferred a different world other than the world of God. That man preferred a different God, which was his own will. 
you have to understand that there is but one God. So anything that we set as important in our life becomes a God to us, which in essence is just a manifestation or a reflection of our own will versus the will of God in our life. We choose to follow our will, which then makes us God rather than the will of God, which keeps God himself. And because of this, man is condemned to leave this earth, to die. Genesis 2 and 17, Genesis 3 and 1, Genesis 3 and 19 will point to these things. Man is also condemned to be separated from God eternally, John 3 and 18. You can't forget that man was already created as an immortal being, so he would continue on, however, he would continue separated from God. He would be placed somewhere else other than this earth because he lost the right to live in this earth. He would be placed somewhere separate from God in the eternality of man's creation. And this all was man's choice. The image of God, the very power of immortality and the drive and ability to worship and to live with God is marred eternally. But there's something wonderful that we need to understand that helps us to solidify the foundation for the answer to man's purpose in the relationship between God and man. You see, the image of God within man can be renewed. The image of God in us can be renewed. Come back next week and bring somebody with you and I'll tell you the blessing and the beauty of the renewal of the spirit of man within God. For I've given you much to digest. That you might begin to understand who you are not just in God, but who you are in time, who you are in space, who you are in eternity. Hallelujah. Come on back next week. Tune back in next week. You need to understand who you are. The moment you do, there is absolutely nothing you will not be able to accomplish. Absolutely nothing will be kept from you. No matter how difficult accounting is, you would be able to accomplish it if that was your desire and the will of God for your life. Because nothing is impossible to them who are in Christ. Everything ceases its impossibility and becomes possible because of the unity that exists between you and God and God and you. God then empowers you to accomplish whatever he has set for you to accomplish. Hallelujah. Renew your mind. You got to find out what that means. Hallelujah. I thank God for each and every one of you.
And I am praying for each and every one of you. We're existing in a time that calls for as best we can a physically separate and touchless service. Now, while many are quick to say that when you are sick, you ought to come to the church, that the elders may lay hands on you, that you would recover, while this is fulfillment of the text, you have to understand that it is not the only way for your deliverance. It is not the only way for your healing. Because the Bible declares that they, with the greatest measure of faith, were those who stood upon a word only, without a touch. So there's nothing wrong with a touchless experience. So while I will not lay hands on anyone at this time less directed by God. I can speak over your life and the, the very same power that would be loosed in my touch is loosed through my lips. Even as Jesus spoke, I speak for I am the expressed image of his word. When Jesus spoke to the centurion that they be well, that his servant be well, and in the selfsame hour his servant was well, so I speak now in the name of Jesus. That everyone under the sound of my voice that is dealing with sickness or disease or defect of body be healed right now and made whole. The outpouring of the natural health of Christ be manifest in your physical existence even now. That in the physical body you may begin to manifest who you are in Jesus. For at the cross, the health of Christ was transferred to us. The physical well-being was transferred to us. I speak life, health, and strength over you. The word declared that the Lord is our Jehovah Jireh. That means that the Lord is our supply. He is therefore everything that we stand in need of. And because God is lacking in no thing, causing even the little to become much, so I declare in your life, those standing in need right now, that your need is met. The way has been made, the door has been opened, the resource has been loosed. In the name of Jesus. Those that are suffering because of the economic toil in this country. 
suffering financially, suffering because of the loss of a job. Because I am the manifestation of God in the earth. And it is the will of God to cause you to prosper. For his word declares he has plans for you. I speak not against the word, but only that which is in the word. His plan is to prosper you. This prosperity is connected to your physical being as well as your spiritual being. So I believe even now that God is working on prospering you. You may have lost a physical position in work, but because your desire is to work, God shall open a door for you and work shall come to find you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I speak over every opportunity right now that it would begin to make itself known to the children of God. That reparation would be given to the children of God. Hallelujah. 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 I see and feel the abundance of rain pouring down into your life even now. Every need being met. Hallelujah. I know that some of you have begun to believe it's over. God said it's not over until he says it's over. And he has not declared that it's over. Hallelujah. 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 I'm licensed by God to tell you to speak over your life. Even my own sister, who has been faithful, Lisa, was blessed beyond her imagination as a result of her faithfulness. Now watch this. When she filed paperwork, to get what man said was hers, man changed the script. It says she did not qualify. It says she did not qualify for what man was giving. But when you understand that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. When you understand that the power to be is subject to the power to be. You don't get frustrated. You don't get mad. You don't just give up. But you ask again because it's already yours. I'm not asking 
with uncertainty. I'm asking with expectation that what God has for me is for me. And because she asked again, and the enemy tried to still mess it up, she didn't give up. She understood. She asked the Lord to open the door. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And God loosed into her hands not just what she thought she was owed, but overflow what she was not even expecting. Because it all belongs to him. God always has the final say. God always has the final say. You and man has some input, but God has the final say. Don't be persuaded by what you see going on. Only know that because you stand in Christ, what is his is yours. Now watch this. I'm not jealous that my sister was blessed. I'm excited for her. And I didn't call her and say, Lisa, I'm your only brother. I've loved you for 51 long years. I've been there for you and supported you, and I heard God blessed you. I'm just thinking that might maybe you want to slide some blessing this way. What I did was I celebrated. I celebrated because I understood that the mailman visited my sister which means he's in the Lysath territory and since the mailman never delivers mail to the wrong house and he's in my neighborhood I keep running to my mailbox because the mailman is no respecter of persons. And if he'll bless my sister and 
I can celebrate the blessing for my sister. I know he's going to bless me. And he's real close to me. Because he's in my neighborhood. And because we are part of the same spiritual family. You ought to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor he's in your neighborhood too. You ought to open up your spiritual mailbox right now and begin to receive what the mailman is cooking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop. Let us rest to our feet.